Welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we're so glad that you're with us this week. It is Christmas week, it's and I'm Christmas so excited week. to celebrate. But today, I'm excited that you are with us and tuning in wherever you're listening from. We also want to say, please leave a review. We love Do hearing it. the feedback and how this podcast has been encouraging you. And we would love for you to share this podcast with a friend. That would yeah. be a great Christmas gift for us. Do it. Would be for you to share this Text podcast. It, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, post about it on your socials. We've been uh, receiving a lot of messages on Facebook, text messages. They are so encouraging. We appreciate all you listening and encouraging us because we are both words of affirmation. Right. What's the question of the week? Question of the week. It's Christmas season. What's your favorite Christmas song? My this favorite? was actually given to us by someone who reached yeah, out to us. I believe us. her name is Monica. She reached out, had a great review just through an instant or direct message, and uh, we appreciate that. But she wanted to know what our favorite Christmas songs since were. since we know you're listening, I disagree with you, Monica, on your favorite <laughs> Christmas song. I think you're wrong. But I think you said that I can be wrong, too. So. Yeah, it's okay. I think for me, now, I got two different categories. Like, I have like Christmas, and then there's kind of like the inspirational Christmas. Like, one's about the holiday, the other one's about Jesus, right? And... For me, I, I would say... I've never separated the two. <laughs> well, I just do. So like, one of my favorite is so old school. I don't even know why I like it. I think it's because I always want snow on Christmas Day. I love uh -huh. I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. I just love that song. I really do. Um, but as far as like uh, inspirational song, I'm going to go with like any rendition of Little Drummer Boy. I like them all. Well, that is my favorite Christmas song, especially specifically Hill City Worship's brand new song mm. that was just put out by Dierick and Brittany and Tani and the team, Drummer Boy. If you haven't checked it out, you should. It's a little, their own spoof on it. It's really good. Yeah, we will definitely put a plug in there for that. Go search Little Drummer Boy, Hill City Worship. I think it's just called Drummer Boy. Drummer Boy, that rendition, it is actually so good. It is. I love it. Oh, love it. So what are we talking about today? So we've been in this series kind of talking about things we've deconstructed, mm -hmm. things we are deconstructing. Yep. And we're going to hit a hot topic today because we're talking about women's roles in the church and this big issue. And I love talking about this topic specifically. Yeah. I honestly cannot believe that we still have to have this conversation in the 21st century. Yeah. It blows my mind. Um, a couple of years ago, famous Dr. John MacArthur made a statement regarding Beth Moore. I remember that. And it triggered online chaos which thank God for the internet for this kind of stuff. <laughs> but he, he uh, told her that she should discontinue her ministry position that she holds as a leader and quote unquote, go home, which as if her place is in the home only. Yeah, it, it blew up. Okay. He reiterated the common dispensationalistic viewpoint that women should not be in leadership positions while quoting several passages of scripture, which we're going to talk about today. These passages have oppressed women for centuries because they aren't read in their proper historical and cultural context. And this is exactly what happens when you read your Bible as God instead of reading your Bible to reveal God. Remember, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, that Jesus trumps what the Bible has to say because Jesus is who and what God has always been and will always be. When you read the Bible through the lens of Jesus as God, it should raise some major red flags, you know, when we yep. come to places where it seems like people, regardless of age, race, or gender, are oppressed. Right, so this episode, our hope is that we actually get to a place and liberate some people that have maybe been stuck for years. But our hope is that women should never have to question or oppress their giftings because of like our culture, 
misapplied scripture and then created right this modern day pharisaical system and i really think this is important because as we look at different verses today if we don't understand audience and culture and historical relevance we will misapply a lot of these scriptures so that's what we're going to do today just kind of walk through a few passages that have oppressed women for centuries in the name of God. And again, hope to bring some freedom and clarity through our deconstruction process. So if you're a woman, you're really going to love this episode. If you're a guy, you're probably going to be like, "Mm -hmm." so just bear with us. I think guys should really love this episode too. Hopefully, hopefully if you've been around our culture, you're going to love this episode too. But if you're listening to this because somebody sent it to you and you don't know who we are, you might have a lot of walls up, but let's just listen in, pay attention to what actually the scripture says about women in ministry. Right. So the first place we're going to go to is first Timothy chapter two, verses 11 through 15. I just need to read it. And then we're going to bring some clarity and shine some light on it. But this is what Paul writes. He says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man she must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Yep. So the Bible is clear. We'll move on to the next one, you know, because it's clearly says that women should not teach. Here's why reading the Bible with just verses out of context. This this is how I would say that people cherry pick to oppress women. Because if you don't read the entire book of First Timothy in its context, you miss a lot of what Paul is trying to address and say. In fact, Paul is addressing false doctrines because he even says in First Timothy 1, 3, the false doctrines are myths and endless genealogies being taught according to First Timothy 1, 4 and First Timothy 4, 7. We also know from other scriptures in Acts 19 that the false doctrines or these myths and endless genealogies are tied to the worship of the Greek goddess Artemis. What kind of worship did that include? The worship of Roman of the Roman religion Diana. What did these types of religions teach? Female domination, which, by the way, influenced the Amazon women in later generations that slaughtered people in the name of God, again, abusing scripture. Uh, side note, for all you comic lovers, Artemis influenced the creation of the character. Do you know this? Tell me. Wonder Woman. Ah. I'm a big Wonder Woman fan. Now that we have context, we can actually look at this passage specifically. First, Paul is addressing a singular woman. The actually translators got this great. If you look at the scripture, it says a woman. It's a singular woman. Not women. A woman not only false, uh, a woman teaching not only false doctrines, but a woman causing division in this specific church. Not to mention the fact that chapter two is all about living in peace with each other. Speaking of peace, in verse 11, when it says a woman should learn in quietness, it's the same Greek word used in verse two when it says this, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful. So quiet and peaceful often get interchanged throughout Greek as uh, the end of verse 12 reads, she must be quiet. It could also read, she must be peaceful. That Hmm. actually is very revealing and telling. Uh, Speaking of verse 12, the first part reads, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. Again, proper study will reveal that this sentence is present tense, meaning at that time. This was not a universal command. 
Okay, this was not a universal command. In other words, it could be translated, I am not permitting currently this woman, this specific woman, to teach or to assume authority over a man. The problem revealed in this passage was not an issue of gender, but an issue of attitude, actions, a lack of um, understanding her role in terms of being educated. And that's a different conversation. No, I love that. And in in this verse, lastly, many people, though, are also confused by verse 15, when it says, but women will be saved through childbearing. But we have to realize Artemis was the Greek goddess over birth and fertility. And it was taught that if you worshiped her, then women would be protected during childbirth. But if you actually study this verse in the Greek, there's actually a word that the translators left out of our English translations. And it's the word, the, the very simple word, the, and it's right in between the words through and childbearing. In other words, women will be saved through the child, really. And women will be saved because of Jesus, the child, not Artemis, not Diana, not any other religious system. And that is very, very good news. That's great news. Did Why didn't you cut me off earlier when I was saying Artemis wrong? Oh, Artemis. 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 It's all good. It's one of those Greek goddesses. Yeah. You can figure it out. Yeah. The second passage of scripture is First Peter 3 five through seven, it says this, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with the with a uh, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Yeah, this is one of those verses because it says weaker partner or other translations say weaker vessel, mm-hmm. then men think they have power and authority over women. But let's just say for centuries, men have forced women into an unbiblical submission as they, unbiblical? Lib- yeah, there we go. <laughs> submission as you. they, quote, this passage claiming women as the weaker vessel. Understanding cultural relevance, though, reveals that weaker vessel actually might mean something different than what you think. You see, there were several kinds of vessels used within the society of the ancient Near East culture. Um, Thicker vessels actually were cheap and sturdy vessels that most often, right, they they stored water in them. Think of like Jesus's first miracle, turning water into wine by putting the wine into these thicker vessels. Weaker vessels, though, were thin fine and delicate vessels designed to be sold as ornaments, decor, or things of beauty. They were actually expensive and called weaker because they were made out of light material. They could break more easily, but they held such great value. Actually, Peter here compares women to these weaker vessels, and it's an incredible picture of our responsibility as men to treat women as we would a priceless precious vessel of honor. We are to support and lift up our women, not break their spirit or crush them with our harsh words or actions. Hmm. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture when we think of it like that. Cultural relevance. The third one is 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35. It says this, women, plural, should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. 
This is one of those major verses mm-hmm. that gets used. Actually, Dr. Jonathan MacArthur used this specific verse to con- uh, to suppress not Beth Moore. Yeah, to what, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, to like know. be like, hey, go home. Yeah, whatever. To yell at her, whatever. Abuse her. Degrade. Degrade. That's the word I was looking for. Oppress. Degrade. Oppress her. Suppress. The book of Corinthians is not written to us in America today. Actually, there is no book in the Bible written to Americans today. Shocker, I know. It was written to the first century church in Corinth, and reading the letter as a whole is so important for us to understand the context. And I know most of you will never read 1 Corinthians in its entirety because it'll take you like an hour, hour and a half. Here, I'm going to break it down real simple for you. The first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul is encouraging them to stay unified in Christ. Remember, he's talking to the church in Corinth. He's uh, encouraged them to walk out the power that they now possess in the spirit. He's giving them words of wisdom, words of caution, and how to deal with disciplinary issues. Then in chapter seven, Paul changes direction and starts to address specific questions that the Corinth church had for him. Remember, they wrote him a letter that we don't get to see. And he oftentimes quotes their questions as Bible verses and then answers them. So sometimes what we think is actually like, hey, okay, I'm giving too much before I unpack this. Yeah. So 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1 says, Now for the matters that you wrote about. The rest of this book addresses these specific questions all the way through the rest of the book of 1 Corinthians. Why is this important? Because you can't cherry pick one passage in 1 Corinthians 14 without reading what Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians 11. For example, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells the church that women can prophesy and pray as long as their heads stay covered, which the covering was a cultural relevant piece for them then in it's, that day. It's, it's not it, that's not relevant today why would here's the question right. why would paul tell women to be quiet in the church in chapter 14 if he was encouraging prayer and prophecy from women in chapter 11 if if that's the case that's a contradiction that right. we have to because it says that women can prophesy and can pray yeah so in chapter 11 if there's a contradiction or something that seems contradictory it means it's time to study right so those verses you read verses 34 and 35 they are then questions that the church is asking Paul to respond to. Yep. And Paul's reiter- reiter- reiterating their questions there and answering it then in verses 36 through 40. And then how do we know that those two verses, 34 and 35, are the original questions? Because Paul is quoting the law in verse 34. He's not giving a command. Again, why, like you said, why would Paul teach it was a disgrace for women to speak in church in chapter 14? if he was reminding the women to keep their heads covered while they spoke in the church in chapter 11. So they had the authority to speak. Think about it. Think about it. It doesn't just make sense, nor is it a proper handling of scriptures. What's even crazier is Paul's response in those verses, 36 through 40. He responds to their question with a question in verse 36. He says, or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? You see, Paul is attacking this idea of oppressing women in the church as if men are the only voices God gave the church. And how do we know this? Well, verse 39 says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. both be eager to prophesy. So Paul either contradicts himself within five verses or we've misunderstood the power of God in all people. Yeah, that's very important to understand that verses 34 and 35 
are the original questions because then verse 36, he answers that question. Or did the word of God originate with you? Are you the only people that it has reached? Verse 37, if anyone thinks that they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is of the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they would themselves will be ignored. Verse 39, therefore, brothers and sisters. And I didn't say that from memorization just in case I had that written up here, just so you're not impressed, (laughs) impressed with me. So finally, let's not dismiss the reality of all of the following women in leadership roles that are recorded in scripture. Okay, so if we want to cherry pick verses, if we just want to go to passage scripture, many people don't even understand the names that were given throughout the Bible because they don't do history study of who and what these women were. You you ready for this? All you women, you might want to go back and, and write down these verses, or maybe we can post them on social media for you. We've got a lot. Judges 4, verses 4 through 5, tell us about um, Deborah, the prophet, who also was a judge and military commander. Right. Jeremiah 1-2 and Zephaniah 1-1 mentions Huldah, the prophet, who was an interpreter and a biblical scholar. Yeah. Exodus 15, 20-21, Miriam, the prophet, also a national leader. Ezekiel 13, 17-23, actually multiple unnamed female prophets are mentioned. Yeah. Matthew 27 and Luke 24, Mary, the person he first talked to after the resurrection, Jesus sp- speaking the gospel, the good news. Who did he Who did he give it to? Yeah. The first sermon of the resurrected Jesus was given to by, a woman, to, you know, the, the command to a woman. And she's the one who shared it with yeah. the disciples. I love that. Um, Luke 10, 39, Mary actually sat at the feet of Jesus and this posture was taken by those who would eventually uh, become a rabbi. And Jesus affirms then that publicly. Yeah, I actually learned that from you when you preached that sermon, talking about when, uh, Mary at the foot of, of Jesus while he taught. I had no idea about that first cultural relevancy. Uh, Luke 2, 36 to 38, Anna, the prophet. All right, let's stay in Luke. Luke 8, 3, there is Joanna and Susanna that are mentioned, and they are women who paid for a lot of Jesus's earthly ministry. Crazy. Acts 18, Romans, and Romans 16 through 3, you have Priscilla was a missionary and church leader. It's also important to notice that Paul introduces her before her husband in Acts, as was not the norm in this culture, especially in written form. Right. You have Romans 16, 1. You have Phoebe, who was a deacon or a deaconess in the church. Yeah. Romans 16, 3, Paul's unnamed spiritual mother. Yeah. Romans 16, 7, you have Junia, who was an apostle. Romans 16, 12, Persis, a church leader in Rome who Paul loved, as well as the church leaders. I'm going to butcher these names, but Typhrini and Typhrosa. It's all good. Yeah, Acts 9.36 mentions Tabitha, who was a disciple of Jesus. Acts 16.15, Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman who helped start the church in Philippi. Acts 21.9, you have Philip's four daughters that are mentioned, and they were all prophets. Philippians 4.2, Iota and Syntheta, whatever. I'm glad you get get like these. I love it. (laughs) Whoever and whatever these two women are, they're recognized as two leaders in the Philippian church. Right, the very next verse, Philippians 4.3, it actually mentions Clement, which is one of Paul's female leaders in the church there. In Colossians 4.15, Nympha, recognized as the leader of a house church. Yeah, you have uh, J.L., who's a war hero. Esther, the queen and social justice activist in the and Old then, Testament. And then you have Rispa, who was a prophetic protester and an advocate for God. And man, isn't it interesting that these women were leaders in the midst of a culture that didn't respect or value women, but yet they're all mentioned in scripture. All mentioned in scripture. And there's more. We just didn't have them written out. Um, 
one of the greatest verses in all of the new covenant commands that Paul gave to the church in Galatia, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. How, how in the 21st century is this still a conversation that women can't lead or be in leadership positions? Right. So I think what we want to do to kind of close out the rest of the episode is um, just answer the question then. So can women be elders and or pastors. Yep. And this is really the the main go-to because all of these scriptures, people can't deny, okay, there were apostles, you know, uh, women apostles, women deacons, women prophets, but okay, that one specific role of elder or pastor, can a woman be that? Yeah. So um, my answer is absolutely yes. And yep. here's why I th- we got six things. We'll go back and forth on it. Number one, the importance of cultural relevance. Most women were unlearned in their culture and society, making them unqualified to be elders because they didn't actually have an education. Like, think about that. This is not the case today. Women didn't have rights then, they do now. If a woman can run for president today, a woman can be a lead pastor and she can be an elder. Right. Second reason we're going to give is one, the new covenant removed the curse of the Garden of Eden and Christ brought equality back into the picture between man and woman. You just read the the verse in Galatians that we're all one in Christ. And if we're all one in Christ, how could that not include females? Yeah. Number three, in Titus and Timothy, only men led in these churches at the time. And in, in Titus and Timothy, these are the pastor scripture that people have written out qualifications for eldership in their right. churches. And everybody right. has this. The husband of one wife does not disqualify a wife with one husband, even though it doesn't say it. Paul was also addressing the issue of polygamy here. By this definition... You also disqualify single faithful men for the position of eldership, thus eliminating Paul and Jesus from being able to lead in the modern day church. Yeah, I want to stop here. And if you're still listening and you're still in this conversation, I want to make sure you heard what Corey just said. And in most churches today, if they were to list of qualification, list out qualifications of what someone needs to have in order to be an elder or a pastor in a church, and they use that verse in Timothy then Paul and even Jesus, hear that again, even Jesus wouldn't qualify to be a leader in that church. Yeah, that is Should scary. that not cause us to question some things? Yeah, let's stay here for a minute because in Titus and Timothy, usually men want to pull these verses out on why only men can be elders. So if we're going to use these verses, let's actually use these verses because if we want to really get nitpicky, then let's remove all of the overweight elders because the role of an eldership uh, person says uh, someone cannot be an elder if they lack self-control. Right. So all the overweight elders got to go. Anyone that can't teach, they got to go. Anyone that uh, has road rage, they got to go. Anyone that's not a yes man, or in other words, a devil's advocate, because they have to go because they're a quarreler. Oh my gosh, how do you say that word? Quarreler? Quarreler, quarreler, whatever. It's in the scriptures. Anyone who has a wayward child, that's a lot of us. Hmm. They got to go. Anyone in debt because, you know, they lack Might um, be most people. household managing. So you got to go. And this, honestly, this is not said with sarcasm. This is what has to be done if we're going to be fundamentalists and read these passages of scripture to say that women cannot be in these roles. Right. Let's just move on. The fourth thing real quick. If apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church, holding the highest level of authority, Right. And we already mentioned several examples of these women who had 
the position of apostle or prophet, wouldn't that mean that they could also hold the position of pastor, elder, if they were allowed to be apostles? It just right. doesn't make sense to pick that one position. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. Number five, personally, as an elder in our church for seven years, I've gone to my wife countless number of times for her thoughts, perspective, and guidance. Here's a blanket statement, but I'd be surprised if any healthy marriage that doesn't include their wives in these conversations. So why not just have that perspective in the room? Right, while we're having the conversation. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and then lastly... We just have to stop and ask, what detriment does it cause the body of Christ to have a female in a leadership role? Like, seriously, are we that prideful, fearful, or even power-driven? Besides, most of the denomination actually that reject females in leadership, they fall in line, I'm just going to say, with the more reformed belief, and a lot of them are Southern Baptist and that denomination. But we also have to realize that the Southern Baptist denomination was also the denomination that that they were the last to let go of what they believed about slavery. Yeah, they were the last ones. Let's think about that. Crazy. So men, we need to do better. We all need to stop using scripture to suppress, oppress, or devalue any human being, for we are all made in the image and likeness of God and are all empowered by his spirit. So let's stop using the Bible as a weapon and start using it to glorify who Jesus is. Right. So let's stop being known by what we're against and start being known by what we're for. And we're for all people. Yeah. A-L-L. All. So it's time for you to bump that woman up to some leadership roles. Let's do it. All right. Well, we hope this uh, episode blessed you, encouraged you. Women, we hope this uh, brought some freedom to you. And guys, we hope this brought a great perspective to you as well as you consider Uh, the roles of women in leadership and ministry in your local church. And with that, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. 